Hello, and welcome to 71%, a podcast on the latest aquatic research that's taking place across our big blue planet. We are a couple of biologists and friends who decided to make a podcast. Why? Well, natural ecosystems face an ever-growing number of problems, and scientific research is one of the best tools available to help protect ourselves, other creatures, and the planet we live on. Our goal here is to present you with studies from oceans, rivers, and lakes, so that you can help spread information about the habitats which make up most of our world, 71% to be more precise. In the blue corner, weighing in at 22 kelp and seven sea lettuces, standing a mighty 11 bladderacks tall, she's going to paint the seaweed red. It's Dr. Lara Capalotti! <laughs> 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 oh dear. <laughs> okay. In the red corner, waiting 32 male lumpfish, standing six octopus arms tall, he's about to bring a sharknado of pain, is Dr. Ben Whitaker! <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. Okay, so um... now on to the actual science. <laughs> so this is a. A very special episode of 71% because we're hoping to demonstrate to people who perhaps are not as familiar with the scientific community that it's quite an argumentative place and scientists often uh, disagree with each other on certain aspects and this is really important because it fuels a lot of criticism and people having to justify their thoughts and their opinions which is really important to keep science progressing in a way forward where we're developing and we're keeping on track. So the example we're going to present today is quite a recent uh, debate that happened was it last year and it's centering around whether fish have the ability to be self-aware and there's some people who think that they do and they are self-aware and some people think that they're not and so we're going to try and present two sides of the story and we're going to use um, a test called uh, the mark test which is to test a mirror self-recognition msr right ben so it's a it's a common test used to this mark test is it's a common test to to observe self-recognition, which is the ability of a species to look in the mirror and see that it's themselves and not another individual of the same species. Exactly. So it's it's like like Laura said, it's a really common test in ethology, and ethology is the study of animal behavior. And when you think about it, trying to test for self-awareness is quite an abstract thing to do. Like how how would you test to see if something is aware of its own entity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we have, I don't know, I have seen a, a video of a cat one time looking in the mirror and kind of like touching its ear and looking like surprised that you know, it was seeing itself. <laughs> yeah, like, who the hell is that? And I remember that people were saying, is that cat self-recognizing what's happening? Exactly, um, exactly. But yeah, but it has been tested in, in primates and ch- like chimps and uh, not sure. Yeah, so the, the actual test has been carried out in quite a few different species, but you're absolutely mm-hmm. right. There's only a handful of species that have passed the test. Mm-hmm. And so the mark recognition test, how it's performed is the animal is put in front of a mirror and 
they put a mark on the animal. So I think with some chimpanzees or elephants, they've used like some white chalk. And then they look at how the animal responds in the mirror to see whether it's interacting with itself or with the reflection. So if it's interacting with the reflection and it doesn't understand that that's itself, you'd expect it to kind of be touching the mirror or perhaps trying to socialize with the reflection thinking, okay, that's another animal. Whereas if it's self-aware and it understands that it's looking at a mirror reflection of itself, you'd expect it to interact with the mark. So it might start to try and clean off the chalk or if, if it's mm -hmm. a, a tattoo, it might start trying to pick at that tattoo or something like that. So how the animal interacts with the mirror reflection yeah. hypothetically should give you a, an understanding of whether or not it's self-aware. Yeah, and it's important to to note that this mark is only in a place that the animal cannot see except in the mirror, right? Yeah. So yeah. it has to be something that, that you couldn't look at your arm and say, of course, it's there. It's like in the face or in the back or something like that. But the thing that, and it's also cool that you would see, ah, chimps are close to humans, so it's easy to pick up on behaviors that we know from us that are self-recognizing behaviors right mm -hmm. but then they have done this in elephants dolphins and even crows the birds yeah, cro yeah. corvids and then makes you think wow it's it's not only cool that these distinct animals from us can't have the same ability of self-awareness that that we do but also it's it's in terms of science it's cool that they managed to to find a way to test these things in a non-obvious way mm -hmm. But then with fish, can you do it? Yeah, it, it definitely makes it a bit more complicated because like you were saying, all the animals that have passed the test, so that's uh, the apes and dolphins and elephants and uh, crows, they all have limbs to some extent, which means that they can kind of interact with their own body. Whereas fish don't. So if, if they have a mark on them, how are they going to pick at it? Mm -hmm. they, they don't have hands. They don't have a beak. So that's that's kind of a, an unknown element. Yeah. Also, a, um, an interesting point is that even if we do see um, evidence of self-awareness using the mark test, is it comparable to the mark test used in mammals? It's, it's desirable in science to have similar protocols if you want to compare different things. But how far can we go? Does passing a mark test in a fish means the, the same thing as passing a mark test in a primate? Exactly. So, so this, is all, this is all, I think, a great introduction to these two papers that we're going to present. So Laura is going to present the paper for self-awareness in fish. And I'm going to present a rebuttal, so a paper against self-awareness in fish. And just as a disclaimer, they don't necessarily represent our own opinions, but these are just the, the points we're going to put forward for the exercise of debating some, some cool science. Mm -hmm. So do you want to start with, with your paper, Laura? Yeah, uh, so my paper is called If a fish can pass the mark test, what are the implications for consciousness and self-awareness testing in animals? It's by Corda and collaborators, published in PLOS Biology, and it's from 2019. 
So they they wanted to to do the mark test and see if the fish realized that the mark was made on them, as we already briefly described the mark test. Uh, and they have observed, we scientists have observed already, the fish can display various uh, behaviors like playing, tool use, and even prediction of behavior in others and cooperation. So there are, and Ben works with that, so that's, that's a really cool field of study that to look at movement in fish and try to understand what that means, what are they doing, because... For the non-expert, you look at an aquarium, look at fish, and it just seems like they're swimming from one side to the other, but they're actually capable of doing all sorts of behaviors, right? Uh, one option to do this mark test is cleaner fish, because cleaner fish, if you don't know, so th this cleaner fish are fish that attached and work with other species of fish to clean uh, any parasites that are on the surface of their skin, and they benefit because they can eat these parasites. They're the best kind of fish. They're Not that I'm biased kind. in any way because I work no, with them, but the, they're the best kind of fish. They're <laughs> super cool. Yeah, so these cleaner fish, they are a good study system, study organism uh, for that because they have this, we know how and, and when they are cleaning. They are picking at some specific thing. So they have the, the eye for it and they have the behavior that is easy to spot. So they chose the species called the cleaner wrasse. Am I saying it right? The wrasse? Yeah, the blue streak cleaner wrasse. Yeah. Cleaner wrasse. LD... Let me get Lab the species. Labroides demiditus. That's one of the very few Latin names I can say. <laughs> because all my papers are like, ah, oh, Labroides demiditus did this. Ah, oh, Labroides demiditus <laughs> did that. <laughs> okay, so it's Labroides demiditus. Yeah? Demiditus. Demiditus. So let's just call him the, the cleaner wrasse. Clean, cleaner right? fish, if you want. Yeah, the cleaner fish. Easier. Um, it's just that there are many species of cleaner fish, but we know that now in this yeah. study, we're only talking about, we're talking this, about one. this one. Yeah. So this mark test is divided into two parts. The first part is before applying the mark, and then the second part is after applying the mark. And the first part is divided into three phases. The first phase is where they put a mirror in front of the fish and see if they have any, any of the following behaviors. First, they display some kind of social reaction. So they, they look in the mirror and they think it's another fish. They sometimes become aggressive. After that phase, there are different behaviors to the usual ones without the mirror, like swimming upside down or doing some kind of a weird movement that hasn't been observed or at least hasn't been frequent in the absence of mirror. And then finally, they, they examine themselves in their, seem to be examining their reflection. So without the aggressiveness, without the other behaviors, that, that should be the third stage uh, of this uh, phase where they put the mirror. And that, that can take a few days or, or weeks before they get to the phase where they start examining the reflection. But some of them may not go that far. Some of them may not even realized the, the mirror was there in the first place yeah. so to go to the second part <laughs> to i've go encountered to the second... a lot a lot of fish like that who you put the mirror in and you're like do something please and they just sit there and stare at you <laughs> <laughs> i'm not gonna be here <laughs> yeah <laughs> your puppet your puppet <laughs> find another one so that that's that is some kind of intelligence i suppose yeah uh so yeah so the, the animals that the fish that don't 
bother at all about the mirror, they don't go to the following phases. So because there is not no point in applying the mark if you're not going to be able to, mm -hmm. to observe how they deal with the mark. And then the second part then, they, they apply a mark, they anesthetize the animals, and then they, they apply two kinds of uh, marks. One is a transparent mark, it's under the skin, and another one is a colored mark. And the reason why they do a transparent mark is to see if it's kind of a control to see if there there's any behavior in the um, the fish that have the the transparent mark that could be related to some kind of sensation on the skin. And that kind of doesn't work for the mark test because if you feel it, of course you know it's in your body, right? So we we need to know that they are only seeing and not feeling. That's why we have the two. Uh, colored and non-colored uh, marks. So uh, the results were that for the first part, seven out of 10 fish did act aggressively to the reflection. So the first phase checked and that lasted a few days. By the end of the first week, they were not aggressive anymore. They were not doing the, what they call mouth fighting, um, which for me looks like kissing, but anyway. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Come, you're romantic. <laughs> <laughs> um, so far, uh, these reactions then are consistent with those of other animals who took the test. So that checks. But some, some of the fish didn't go further. After this, they started to behave differently as expected from the second phase. And the, one of the, the behaviors were swimming upside down. There's actually a video of this study and I can can link it so you can yes. see the fish swimming upside down. It's pretty cool. Everything happens super fast. So I had to go back in the video several times to actually pick up on. So I really admire you guys who work with this. Uh, <laughs> you have to be have, really attentive. We have lots of tricks, like the software that slows it down. So you can just sit there with your coffee and watch these things happening. It's a snail. In slow motion. Yeah, don't, don't give us too much credit. <laughs> Come on, man. I was going to, you know, that was supposed to. Oh, okay. I mean, yeah, it's really difficult. Yeah, <laughs> really hard. You're superheroes. We are. Ah, and this, so they started to behave differently, but... It's important to know that these were not normal behavior uh, for courtship or aggression. It was just like behavior that you associate with the presence of a mirror. So by day 10, a few days afterwards, they also stopped. And then you can move to the third stage of this first part. You were going to say something? I was just going to say, so yeah, so to make sure we're on the same page. So they put the mirror in first to kind of weed out the fish who aren't going to play with the mirror because we're not interested in those yeah. anyway. Then they keep putting the mirror in and they say, okay, the fish who start doing abnormal behavior, such as swimming upside down, they're the ones we're interested in because they're kind of interacting with their reflection in a way that doesn't follow, like you were saying, normal courtship or aggression or things like that. So we're trying to find these weirdos. Yeah, the weirders are always the most interesting ones. <laughs> always. So now for the third stage is the exploration of their bodies in the mirror. So they observed an increase in the amount of time spent in front of the mirror without any aggressive postures or behaviors, right? So that is a clear last stage of the first, uh, the first part of the test. So it all checked out. You had fish that went through all the all of the stages that you, you need to go through before applying the mark. 
So they divided it in, into groups of injections of transparent mark, injections with colored mark without a mirror, and with colored mark with a mirror. So the reason is also to, to eliminate any possibility that they are feeling the mark and doing any behavior. Because even if you have the colored mark without the mirror, if you are trying to scratch it, you know that they are somehow feeling mm -hmm. it. Um, and the, the places where the marks were put on uh, are places where they, they couldn't see it without the mirror, like on the either side of the head and under the throat. And they were in a color and shape to mimic an ectoparasite, which is something that they are familiar with. So the results were that they indeed, the time spent posing in front of the mirror was longer when they had the colored mark compared with the no mark or transparent mark treatments. And that, in a nutshell, <laughs> that pretty much indicates mirror self-recognition, which ticks all the boxes for passing the mark test that has been done in other species. So at the end, three fish out of four that passed all these phases with a color throat mark and the presence of a mirror scraped to remove it. They were trying to remove it either by touching a rock. Uh, so any kind of contact with the mark, they are noticing it, that it's on them. So they're trying to, to remove it. So some fish did pass the mark test, but does that mean they are self-aware? And on my non-fish professional, <laughs> non-ichthyologist, asparagus. <laughs> 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 On my non-asparagus <laughs> point of view and opinion, I do think that they passed the, the mark test and they fish all fish. All fish. No, just <laughs> kidding. These pieces of fish are self-aware. Drop the mic. <laughs> <laughs> what more do you what more evidence do you need? What right? more do you need? Okay, so following on from uh, Laura's paper, the person who acted as the academic editor for this first paper, so he, he was the person who would be dealing with all the publishing side of the paper and making sure that it was properly reviewed. He published a supplementary article titled Fish, Mirrors and a Gradualist Perspective on Self-Awareness that came out alongside... The, the paper that Laura was was just describing, which I've not really encountered before. I don't know about you. Usually there's not an editorial note that says just ba it's basically giving more context to to the paper in itself, probably be because it's quite a controversial paper. Mm -hmm. And so the, the author of this is called Franz de Waal. I hope I'm saying his name right. I'm very bad at non-English pronunciations I need to work on it so every Franz... episode you said this <laughs> yeah I know so Franz Duval is a world famous primatologist and he really is an authority on ethology the study of animal behavior and he's he's written lots of best-selling books uh, in popular science so you might know him from some of those with the, his big titles are the bonobo and the atheist age of empathy and our inner ape and so Franz Duval is basically giving a different perspective to this to the paper Laura just discussed with an alternative interpretation. And they start their article by arguing that cognitive ability, 
such as self-awareness evolves in a small steps and it's not just a, a big bang that okay now we have a species that's self-aware versus not self-aware it's not an all or nothing kind of game uh, and they go on to discuss that the mirror self-recognition <laughs> the mirror self-recognition task has been used in lots of species. Um, so some of the ones that we were discussing before, like bottlenose dolphins, Asian elephants, and Eurasian magpies, they've all passed the tests. Uh, but lots of lots of animals have failed the test. And the reason they fail could be due to lots of different factors, such as a lack of motivation or a lack of attention, or perhaps trouble perceiving the mirror rather than the lack of self-awareness. So the example they give is that dogs live in a very, uh, their main sense is smell. And so looking in a mirror might not be the best way to test them to see if they're self-aware. It's also possible to train animals to pass the test. And this has been done with pigeons, um, but that doesn't necessarily mean the animal is aware of what it's doing. It's just doing a learned behavior. So they're kind of some prerequisites to, mm -hmm. to passing this test. Um, so Franz Duval, as I said, is a really world famous primatologist and a lot of their examples come from uh, the great apes. And so they give some anecdotal evidence of the ways that chimpanzees in particular engage with mirrors that other species don't. And so they say, OK, there's been instances where chimpanzees will use their sunglasses, the researchers sunglasses to check out their reflection and do things like inspecting their teeth that other animals don't. Um, and that perhaps while some animals, monkeys even, like macaques, they demonstrate a basic understanding of what a mirror is and they can use it as a tool perhaps to see things that are hidden from them, but they don't engage with it in the same way that perhaps a chimpanzee would. They say that, okay, as Laura was saying before, there's different stages to, to the mirror test, but there's, there's three requisites in order to successfully pass the self-recognition mirror test. First of all, the, the behavior has to be different from any social behavior like aggression or the kissing that you were, you were talking about before. And second of all, the mark has to be purely visual. In this case, they were injecting the fish just below the skin with a, a tattoo. Um, that's not the best way to do it. And thirdly, it has to be done without any previous training. Um, but as, as we were saying before, the test isn't really a good way to test self-awareness in all animals, especially animals without limbs, for the obvious reason that they can't really check out their mark properly. So now we kind of move on to the criticism of this paper. And Franz Duval acknowledges that yes, Blue Street Cleaner Ass do show very sophisticated social behavior. Um, and these are really important for their eco ecological niche as a cleaner fish and using these sophisticated behaviors, it allows them to remove parasites from larger fish that could potentially could be their predators, but they managed to do it in a safe way. Uh, and some of these behaviors include performing massages. So they use their little fins and they'll be massaging their, their clients. Uh, and oh. they also, I know, right, it's so cute. And they also uh, adopt conspicuous poses. So a lot of the, the work I do is looking at how these cleaner fish pose to attract clients to come towards them. So in a way, they're kind of advertising their service as a, a cleaner fish. And so the reactions that of the RAS that were used in this current study are particularly difficult to interpret. Um, 
especially because some of the behaviours that they do describe have been seen in other, other species of fish, such as manta ray, when they were interacting with the mirror. So you've kind of got to think, okay, could there be some wider context to these behaviours that aren't necessarily just to do with the mirror? And one of the examples they give is the scraping behaviour that you, you were talking about, in, that the, the rats were doing in front of the mirror, isn't a unique behaviour for this species or this situation. Um, so fish will often scrape against rocks or against the floor to try and dislodge uh, external parasites. So it's not a, it's not a unique behaviour in the way that perhaps an elephant rubbing its forehead with its trunk to remove a mark might be. And that's uh, another criticism is Franz de Vos says that because the fish were tattooed subcutaneously, because they were tattooed, that introduces an element of pain and they're aware of this area being sensitive. And in the past, that's meant that animals have passed the, the mirror test when they otherwise wouldn't. So the, the paired stimulus of the, the pain and the mark combined kind of makes it even more likely that they're gonna react to their reflection in the mirror in a way that would say, okay, yep, you're self-aware. And so it's put forward that the cleaner fish might be operating on a level of self-awareness that's closer to a monkey than a great ape. So this would mean that the, the, while the cleaner fish doesn't recognize itself in the mirror, it realizes it isn't just another fish. So it is able to distinguish between its reflection being something unusual versus another cleaner ass, which in itself is quite impressive for a fish yeah they say uh and well, they although if if i look at something and i say wow that something looks a lot like the, the other fish that that swim on my tank but it's yeah. not a fish that swim on my tank what am i thinking it is an alien that's just blown open the whole debate <laughs> <laughs> so so just just to to wrap up this paper because I'm really near the end and then we can discuss it um properly is that they give the example that okay self-awareness isn't just an on and off state and it's more of a gradual spectrum and for example young human children they become more interested in mirrors before they're capable of passing the self-recognition test so like you were saying they're aware this it's not another baby but they're not passing the test to realize it's themselves so it's kind of in this limbo state of okay it's not me but I don't understand what it is um, and just wrapping up with saying that the, the mirror test isn't suitable for all species and that we need to expand the test and develop it for different different situations mm. so yeah they're the two papers and yeah it's my area of study and when it when these were published there was like very fiery debates going on and people <laughs> oh well it obviously is and oh it obviously isn't so yeah I think it's a really interesting discussion so I'm interested to hear what you think Laura I think similar to what he said about it being a, a gradual change I think that's how science progresses it's always a gradual change in in conclusions and in paradigms so it's okay to keep debating it. It's okay that the paper is still controversial. Um, but I do disagree that in this case, it's, it's a part of a continuum of self-recognition. If you look in the mirror and you see there's something on your face and you scratch it, that is 
you you are connecting two dots clearly for me you are connecting what you see to your action which is scratching your head and that is self-recognition because oh. otherwise you wouldn't scratch your head maybe before the mark test if you look at the mirror and first you have this aggression behavior and then you don't have aggression behavior anymore and then you don't pass the mark test but you still stop seeing the mirror as being another another conspecific then i would agree then i would say yeah it, it knows it's not another uh, conspecific but at the same time it doesn't realize it's looking at its own reflection but the mark test for me it was like on point no pun intended because <laughs> it was do you compare the fish without the same mark without the mirror and no, none of the fish with the mark without the mirror did that behavior. Only the fish with the mirror. So if it was something of like a sensation or a feeling, even the ones with no colored marks, they would have felt it. So not not even the, the colored without mirror and transparent mark mm. had any similar behavior. So why else would the marked fish that were seeing the mark in the mirror be behaving like that trying to to scratch it or scrape it off mm. so i guess and again just to stress we might be putting forward points that we don't necessarily agree with but it's it's for the sake of this episode you are i i fully <laughs> agree with <laughs> yeah i i no i'm joking yeah. Okay, so, let, let, let me just say then that Ben is the expert on this, to this topic. I am not. But so I got the easy task, which was to read and defend the paper. Uh, and then Ben got the hard task, which was to, to um, attack. <laughs> yeah. We, we wanted it to be this way because of uh, a difference in backgrounds from Ben to yeah. myself. So it's easier for me to, to see things and say, yeah, that's it. But Ben might know it uh, more profoundly and... No, so, of course, so, no things that exactly. so essentially I'm arguing against myself as well <laughs> my, <laughs> my inner voice I'm arguing against it but I think the point they put forward is that cleaner fish have evolved a very unique ecological niche where they're always looking at other fish to try and find marks on them so that's essentially what they've evolved to do is to find marks on fish and remove them that's that's uh, how they find their food. So the behavior that they're doing in the mirror could be some sort of artifact of that behavior. They're seeing a mark on another fish and they're trying to remove it. But they're not removing on the mirror. They're removing on themselves. So, But this, this is so just seeing the mark on another fish could be triggering this behavior. Mm. I think what they're what they're saying, um. it's kind of like this with with the learned behavior they've they've probably been maybe if they've interacted with other fish they've done it before they've seen a mark on a fish and they've tried to remove it the way they're trying to remove it is different that's true because they're scraping rather than uh pecking at it but it's not a unique behavior whereas some of the other species that they've done so i think one of the examples was the the uh, magpie they put the mark on the back of the head, I think. And so the magpie had to turn around and try to remove the mark from, from the back of the head, which is quite an unusual behavior for a magpie. It's it's quite irrelevant to uh, the normal functioning of a magpie trying to touch the back of its head. Whereas for the cleaner fish in this situation, it's something that is is what they've kind of evolved to do. So it might not be the best test for them. Mm. Um 
But yeah, I think there are points against that as well. <laughs> yeah. One thing I do agree with is the fact that this mirror test isn't necessarily the best test for every situation. And especially with fish, because they're underwater, you can't easily mark them yeah. with with like chalk or something because it's going to wash yeah. away. So it does kind of limit how you can mark them without introducing any element of discomforts. And that kind of, again, is something that the mirror test, you shouldn't have discomfort because it means that they're going to be potentially more focused on that area than they would be otherwise. Although, kind of going on to your side a bit, I kind of think... No, 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 stick to your side. <laughs> stick Sorry. to your side. But I was just going to say that I'm not sure how much discomfort would be produced from this elastomer tagging that they did, the the tattooing. I kind of feel as though it would be a one-off pain and perhaps it's not like you get a tattoo and it hurts for forever. The, mm. the pain kind of disappears after a while. But then maybe fish are different and they feel pain forever. Who knows? Oh, no. Let's, <laughs> let's not think about that. Uh, just because of what you were saying earlier, they, the authors on, on my paper here, they, they put a quote that I found it was really funny. They put the famous <laughs> quote that I think everybody has seen somewhere. Or they say, if a fish is judged by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing it is stupid. Paraphrased from a quote misattributed to Albert Einstein. <laughs> so everybody says that Einstein said that and it's one of those things that, nah. It's, it's completely true though, right? We might be using the wrong test for the fish. This, yeah, but the, the, the saying is really good. And I think that goes for like beyond this topic, even like if yeah. we're trying to have tests for kids and standardized tests, they, mm -hmm. they trying to standardize people who mm -hmm. are not all equal. So, but anyway, without going into too deep on that one, <laughs> um, I do think that it could be potentially problematic to use the same test for completely distantly related species, mm -hmm. but Basically, from what I see, he's just saying this is not enough. And I I get that. And even the authors of this paper, although I made it seem that they like they are uh, saying, oh, yeah, f this fish is self-aware. They finished the paper saying there are three ways to go about this. One is saying that this test is insufficient to to prove to prove self-awareness. The second one is to say, okay, it's it's a good test, but I don't think that passing the mark test in fish means that they are self-aware. And the third one would be to say, yeah, they passed it, and that means that they are mm -hmm. self-aware, which is mm -hmm. the one that I chose. <laughs> but, um, but they say that they would rather say that it doesn't indicate self-awareness, although they did pass the mark test. So I guess passing the mark test for them, and I think and for me as well, it's a clear, okay, they, they ticked all the boxes, they did everything that the animals are supposed to do to pass the mark test. But mm -hmm. does that mean they are self-recognizing? Yeah. And they said, we don't know, that's not enough for us to say. And I think they were being, being very cautious because they knew it would, it would be very um, controversial. controversial. Yeah. I think as well, with with the way the mock test's been done before, it's largely been done in apes and monkeys. And obviously they're quite closely related to us. So I think it's much easier to interpret the behavior of a chimpanzee than it is to say, interpret the behavior of a cleaner fish because there's an element of self 
recognition in the behaviors that the chimpanzees do. So things like the, uh, Franz de Waal gave the example of the chimpanzees checking out their reflection in the, in the sunglasses, checking their teeth and stuff like that. We've all been in a situation where you feel like you've got something in your teeth, so you might look for like a car mirror or a, yeah. a window somewhere so you can check on it. So it's a behavior that we're kind of familiar with. Whereas with the fish, they might be doing an unusual swimming pattern, but that's quite an alien thing for us to have to interpret because unless you're a really good swimming, diving athlete, you might be unfamiliar with why they're doing that behaviour or what it means in a, a wider context. And so that's why I think there's this element of caution that's needed as to saying, okay, they passed the test because that test was originally used for apes and monkeys and so the fish situation is quite far removed although having said that it's been done in dolphins and they're underwater too at least i assume they were i think there is something about animal behavior that we humans we love to anthropomorphize yes am i saying it right okay you are but i think we, we grow up used to anthropomorphizing animals that we have to be to beware not to fall into that as a trap when we're mm -hmm. scientists, right? Because it's easy to, th to think, oh, that chimp is looking in the mirror because it's trying to, you know, try out some sexy poses. <laughs> I don't know what chimps uh, you've seen, Laura. But... <laughs> I'm just saying, like, if I do that on my bathroom mirror after the shower, why wouldn't the, the chimp the be chimpanzee. doing that? <laughs> no, I'm not saying me, okay? I don't do that. <laughs> backpedal, backpedal. <laughs> But um, yeah, so so there is that danger, and I think they are maybe trying to be cautious not to fall into that trap mm -hmm. and be not like ah, uh, they are doing this behavior, so it has to mean something that if we would scratch it, you know, mm. they are scratching it as well. So I do agree that similar behaviors can have different intentions behind mm -hmm. it. I just think that this test seems so you know so well designed <laughs> and so on point so on point and they actually say can pet i'm gonna quote okay can passing the mark test be taken as evidence of self-awareness in one taxon but not another meaning one species mm. but not another we argue not because a position that holds the same results in the standardized test can be interpreted different ways depending on the taxon from which they are gathered mm -hmm. is both logically untainable and taxonomically chauvinistic yeah so they say yeah well what is the deal we're using the same for, that has been yep. used for other organisms but we cannot conclude the same thing so what I, what should we do should we do a different test but then is that comparable i completely agree because my initial reaction when i read this paper was it's just ape gatekeeping it's like okay well the apes are so special they they can pass this test, but nobody else can pass this test because that's it's our test for our species. But I think as well, you need to take into account the physiology of the animals, especially the brain structure. So obviously mm -hmm. the brain structure and shape of a cleaner ass is very different to the brain structure and shape of a chimpanzee. So I don't know if the argument of, okay, this one test is, is okay for all taxa necessarily fits because it's like, well, that's kind of the beauty of it. All the taxa are different and they all have their own things that they're good at and the things that they're bad at. So making one test to test them all, I don't know. It's 
I have conflicted feelings One about test it. to rule them all. <laughs> yeah, and in the darkness, find them. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's a it's a difficult it's a difficult thing to answer. For me, at least, that's evidence enough. I would say maybe test it with other species and do rep- uh, repetition of the same test with the same species. Mm-hmm. I think I wouldn't, you know, how do you say? Close the door. Close the door on that and say, yeah, definitely, yeah. that's proven. Let's move on. I, I would say let's keep looking into that. But there is definitely positive evidence mm. as everything in biology, you know. <laughs> it, it depends, but probably, yeah. There's this, this and this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I th- I think as well, if they repeated the test, but somehow managed to mark them without causing distress or discomfort that would be a big tick in their favor because i think a lot of the arguments against this paper is because they were injected with this uh plastic uh, tattoo and so it's it's introducing an element of okay it's two stimulus combined it's the visual aspect and the discomfort aspect that comes together um but, can you hear my cat in the background <laughs> i wondered what it was She's actually, uh, funnily enough, she's doing self-cleaning behavior. Ooh. She's announcing her <laughs> she's self-awareness to the world. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be. T- I'm gonna test. I'm gonna get some mirrors and test. Let's see what she and... does. I tried yeah. it with my cat, and he his eyes just went very big, and then he ran away. So I'm not sure <laughs> what that means. <laughs> I think it means he doesn't like mirrors. <laughs> I think if if a cat can look at you through the mirror and if you shake a treat and the cat doesn't go towards the mirror but rather comes back to yeah. you, that would somehow indicate that the cat at least is recognizing that that's a reflection, right? Yes, so maybe exactly. they can pass the reflection test, so but not necessarily the, the that doesn't mean that they're exactly. realizing it's them on the other side. And that's the big distinction that Franz Duval makes between the apes and the monkeys. He's saying, okay, the apes look at their reflection, they know it's them, and they interact with their reflection in a way that mm-hmm. enables them to clean themselves or check out their teeth or do sexy poses after they've had a shower. Um, <laughs> whereas the monkeys, they look at the mirror, they know what it is, mm. they know it's a tool that they can use to see things behind them, but they don't make the cognitive leap of being like, okay, that monkey in the mirror is me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what they're saying with the cleaner fishes. Okay, they look in the mirror and they realize that what they're seeing is behind them and that they're seeing a a fish with a mark on it, but they're not making the cognitive leap of being, okay, that fish in the mirror is me. I wonder if my cat's going to be annoyed if I put some red marker on her forehead. (laughs) Yeah. Just make sure it can come off, otherwise you'll have some explaining to do. (laughs) I think it's really deep and really difficult to kind of think about these things and ways to test them. So Mm. it's, yeah, it's it's a really nice example of where science and philosophy are so (laughs) meshed together, because how do you test if something is self-aware, like... Do you know if you are self-aware, Ben? Well, I'd, I'd, I'd <laughs> like to think so, but I'm, I'm starting to doubt myself now. <laughs> um, but yeah, one, one other thing I was going to say is that this debate has quite a few ramifications um, 
around other debates that are going on in fish ethology. So strap yourself in. Uh, there's so much exciting things going on in fish ethology. Um, <laughs> Ooh, but one of the know. one of the big debates at the moment as well is whether fish can feel pain. Hmm. Um, there's evidence for and against it, and people now there's much more awareness in the public of okay if a fish can feel pain does that mean it's right to raise them on farms and to kill them in the ways that we do to eat it's it's kind of like bringing up lots of discussion and points that have been raised for terrestrial animals like cows and pigs and chickens and we see a lot of animal welfare mm. campaigns and activism for the animals that we eat on land but that's kind of been lacking under the water up until perhaps a few years ago and now there's growing awareness of okay can a salmon feel pain can a tuna feel fear how do we <laughs> test these things and once yeah. we know the answer how is that going to affect the way that we interact with these species personally i think we don't even need to go that far as to know if they are feeling pain they are likely to f be feeling some kind of distress, yeah. whether if it's some kind of sadness or pain, it doesn't matter for me. What it matters is that I don't, I wouldn't want to be in their position. Yeah. I completely <laughs> um, agree. But I think being able to put a value on it and say, yeah, okay, yeah. this is how we measure this yeah. can then help say like uh, animal welfare charity going in, they can then put values on, okay, this is bad. This is a bad level of welfare this mm -hmm. is good. This is what you should be aiming for. Yeah, yeah. So I completely agree. I do. Yeah, I'm just saying my um, position, but of course, there's so many different positions towards. There are. Um, and again, some use. people get very fierce on one side, and other people get very hot on the other side. Yeah. And this is where you see all these big arguments. And it's like we were saying at the beginning, it's really good for science to have this atmosphere of, of um, criticism, as long as it's friendly. Um, because that's what keeps people on their toes and yeah. keeps people trying to justify their research. And if yeah. we all just blindly accepted what each other was saying, what kind of situation would we be in? So it's yeah. it's not a bad thing as long as it's kept civil, I think. Especially if you're on Twitter, okay, guys? <laughs> Being on Twitter doesn't mean you can be a pee. <laughs> a pee. Uh, I think it would be really cool. We've, we've both put points that are pro self-awareness in fish and against self-awareness in fish. So maybe we could do a Twitter poll associated with this episode so that mm. people can listen to both sides of the arguments mm -hmm. and then indicate which side they're on. Uh, maybe next week we can see which which side has, has won the debate. What do you think? Yeah, and there will be prizes. No, I'm kidding. No. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I agree. That would be fun. To, to see what people think. And mm. yeah, if you have any comments, you can tweet us or email us or send a letter, a fax. Pigeon. Pigeon will be cool. Smoke, smoke signals. <laughs> <laughs> any, any of these above forms of communication are accepted. So yeah, so thanks, Ben, uh, for the idea to have this debate. Uh, it was super light, so we... Of course, we, we were playing, we were joking at the beginning where we had the whole boxing thing, but just to show that we can, in science, have disagreements in a healthy way, and that's very yes. important. It was a pleasure, as always, to, to have this podcast with you. 
I hope that you guys who are listening are enjoying and like and subscribe. No, I'm joking. Like and subscribe. <laughs> We are definitely not YouTubers or, or any kind of um, influencers. So no. <laughs> we're too nerdy for that. But definitely. Anyway. But until so, next time, we can do our catchphrase, which is yeah. we'll catch you downstream. Catch you downstream. Yay. <laughs> 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 <laughs>